It's the Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest Terry T, a special edition of Korea Family Stories. And then we gather around the fire and sing carols as Jared puts up his Christmas tree way too damn early. But first, your host, Jared Correa. Ah, yes, it's time to open up the Legal Toolkit. Welcome to the show. It's still called Legal Toolkit for some reason, even though I don't really know how to work a lathe. I'm your host, Jared Crea. Jack Parr was unavailable, so I guess that makes me subpar. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the CEO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with Terry Teague of smallbiz.consulting and the digital power team, we're going to go deep on LinkedIn. I want to talk about time travel, theorizing that one can time travel within his own lifetime. Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the quantum accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. Damn, I've always wanted to do that. That felt great. And it still gives me goosebumps more than 30 years later. Uh, you may have heard that Dean Stockwell died this past week. Uh, he was a child actor starting in the mid-1940s when he was under contract for MGM. And his acting career lasted over 70 years. If you're old or a film buff, you may be seeing him in The Boy with Green Hair or A Long Day's Journey Into Night. He was in Married to the Mob. Paris, Texas, and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Two. I don't know that I've seen any of those movies, honestly, and I got that list from Wikipedia. But what I do know is that Dean Stockwell was in Quantum Leap, and he was freaking fantastic in it. That part I read at the top of the monologue, uh, let's call it a dramatic reading, was the intro from Quantum Leap. And Dean Stockwell played the aforementioned Al, Admiral Al Calvici, to be exact. Quantum Leap was a television show that aired on NBC from 1989 to 1993. I remember when network television was still a thing. And of course I watched it because I clearly watched too much TV as a child. But I fucking loved Quantum Leap. It was the first adult TV show I ever watched consistently. I'm using air quotes. And I saw every episode. And it's still my favorite TV show to this day. Now, even if I was basically Mike TV from Willy Wonka, only with better hair. I'd like to think 11-year-old me was a young intellectual. I read a lot of books and felt like I was pretty thoughtful. And so Quantum Leap was right in my wheelhouse. So let me talk to you about the premise. Dr. Sam Beckett, yes, they named the main character after the second best Irish author ever, so I'm already in. He invents the time machine. Only he gets a little aggressive and decides to test his unfinished product by himself to avoid losing funding for it. He wants to prove it works. Uh, predictably, 
of course, this is like the origin story for like every sci-fi program ever made, right? That backfires and Sam is stuck traveling out of time. But with a twist, he's not himself. He leaps into other people's bodies. Get it? He uses a quantum accelerator and he leaps into other people's bodies. So quantum leap. Now, Sam moves through different time periods by possessing other people's bodies, as I said, at a time, specifically when they made a bad choice that essentially destroyed their lives. His job is to make the right choice or to do the right thing and to save these people. So Al, that's Dean Stockwell, remember? He's a real person. But Sam sees him as a hologram, and he helps Sam in his various quests. Al has this, like, Zach Morris phone-style device that he uses to monitor Sam's chances for success. Uh, using percentages based on the actions that Sam takes throughout the show. Yes, that's right. They were using win probability in a 1980s TV show, which is pretty cool. So with Al's help, Sam changes an individual's life. And when he does that, when he succeeds, he gets to leap into the next person. The hope is that at some point he gets to go back to his own body. And that seems legit, frankly. This idea that he might eventually fix his own mistake because he clearly fucked up that choice to test a quantum accelerator on his own in the desert with no one around while it was essentially in beta. Bad choices abounding here. So at the end of every episode, you get a preview of Sam's next project. Who's he leaping into next, right? And again, hopefully it's him at some point. Now, this is a phenomenal premise for a television show. I'm a sucker for anthology series anyway, but the notion that the next episode could take place at any time over a 40-year period in recent history, remember he can only leap in his own life time, with an entirely new supporting cast that definitely keeps things fresh. There was always some simmering level of excitement from episode to episode about where Sam would go next. You know, when you can just binge everything in a single weekend and actually have to wait a week to see what happened next on the TV show. <sighs> the old days. But this conceit gave the producers a chance to throw Sam into a number of different impossible scenarios. He leaps into a professional baseball player in the middle of a game. He leaps into a fighter pilot in midair. That's the pilot, pun intended. Leaping into a bounty hunter, handcuffed to his bounty. This is all good stuff, right? It's tried and true method to start every episode off of the bank. And you know shit is about to go down when Sam completes his mission. And all of a sudden, he's immediately surrounded by blue light and those familiar sound effects come on to signify his transfer into the next body. So I mentioned Dean Stockwell as Sam's holographic helper, but Scott Bakula is in the show too. He's a star. He plays Sam. It's just a tour de force, man. I never understood why that dude didn't have a better career. I even watched all his crappy movies like Necessary Roughness. Plus the Quantum Leap theme song was written by Mike Post, who's the god of 1980s TV theme songs. And they had some famous guest stars too. Brooke Shields, Jennifer Aniston before she was on Friends, Roddy McDowell, Jason Priestley, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Neil Patrick Harris, among others. This is a cool show. Plus, Quantum Leap was before its time in tackling complex social issues, too. There was an episode where Sam, who was white, leaped into a black teenager during the Watts riots. And then he leaped into a KKK member who had to save a civil rights activist. He leaped into a woman that had been raped. He leaped into a man who had Down syndrome. He leaped into a body of his brother's best friend during the Vietnam War and then had to decide whether to save his brother or complete a mission. He leaps into the body of an asylum patient and immediately receives electroshock therapy. Not great. It was just crazy shit like that every week. This show is like endlessly entertaining. I want to go watch it right now. It was appointment viewing. 
And that's my take on Quantum Leap. Next, the next leap will be the leap into our guest interview. Sorry, I realized that was underwhelming and anticlimactic at best. Now, before we talk with our next guest, Terry Teague of Small Biz Consulting and Digital Power Team about LinkedIn, let's see what Joshua Lennon has mixed up in the Quantum Accelerator for the Clio Legal Trends Report Minute this week. According to research from the World Justice Project, 77% of legal problems do not receive any legal support. It's a damning figure since it tells us that the legal industry has a problem connecting the people who have legal issues to the lawyers who can help. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer-in-residence at Clio. There's an opportunity for lawyers to help bridge the gap with clients, earning more business while doing good things to help the people that need it. New research shows that being flexible about how you get paid can ultimately mean getting paid more in the long run. In doing so, you could be opening up your services to more clients and avoid missing out on earnings. To learn more about these opportunities and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. So let's get to the fried green tomatoes. This is this podcast. Actually, I hate tomatoes, but I like ketchup. Discuss. It's time to interview our guest. My guest today is Terry Teague, the founder and principal of smallbiz.consulting and the digital power team. That sounds super impressive. Terry, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, Jared. Good. Thanks for coming on the show. As I promised, I was going to have you on the podcast, and here we you are. You did. You did. I want to talk to you today about LinkedIn for lawyers, specifically, based on our audience. I've noticed over the course of the last, like, let's say call it a year and a half, two years, that the use of LinkedIn has exploded for business professionals. And it was big before, including for attorneys. So I know that you're on there quite a bit. You have some programs that you're working with that we're going to talk about. But like, what is your sense of like where LinkedIn is now, how important it is for business development, and kind of why this change occurred? Uh, It's pretty easy, actually. Well, we need at least like 15 minutes of content, so try to embellish a little bit. (laughs) I I can do that. So um, at the beginning of COVID, there was purportedly 604 million users on LinkedIn, with only about 3% of those people playing on it, participating on it. Really? Um, Wow. Yeah. Because of COVID, we all got stuck at home. There was really no place to play. LinkedIn became, it became the new playground, new business playground. Prior to COVID, it was really more of a place for finding a job or finding employees, really. It was kind of like a public resume holder. It has shifted that, the gear shifted. So it is really now a place to do business uh, in a way that it wasn't pre-COVID. There are about 740 million users now, up from, as I say, 603 or 4 million prior. So it basically has grown overnight. Everybody flocked there because there was... We couldn't go to the normal chamber breakfast. We couldn't go to Kiwanis Club. And business people had to keep moving. You know, it's it's stir the pot or die. So, <laughs> you know, so LinkedIn really just became the platform that we could do business on in a way that I think they maybe envisioned. I don't know, but certainly it has flourished for yeah, sure. I'm sure they had that planning meeting when they were like, all right, <laughs> when the global pandemic strikes, we're really going right. to start kicking ass. <laughs> Right. But I think I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Like one thing you said, you said 3% of people were engaging 
pre-pandemic? That's what That's they crazy published. low. Wow. Is it high, is it higher now? Do they have stats now or? Yeah, I haven't heard recently from LinkedIn. You know, folks speculate it's more like eight or nine percent now. I mean, that's a significant number given the number of people they have on there. You know, um, there's a lot of voyeurs. Here's the here's the lovely thing about that, though. Let me just tell you, it's actually not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Yes. If you compare it to Facebook, they've got something like, I don't know, 40% participation, 50% participation. If you've ever tried to post anything over there, to be seen over there is <laughs> nigh on to impossible. In this particular yeah. format, you can actually play and be seen. And at least for a while yet, I think it's a more, um, it's the wild, wild west, really, a little bit right now. So, yeah, yeah I, I encourage people to get on it. Oh, absolutely. To get yeah. on it and actually participate and post things, not just learn. Yeah. So just to watch and look is really not playing the game. You really have to really and truly create content. That is the big game. Creating content is the game. And just to be clear, this is different yeah. than like what some people do on social media, which is like, here's a quick sentence about what I did and a link to a video, right? You actually Thanks, have to like write more right. of a narrative. That plays mm -hmm. better on LinkedIn, right? It plays way better. You know, the algorithm on LinkedIn, we notice has changed. When we first started playing literally one year ago as a group, we saw that, you know, videos played quite well and would get us the attention that we were looking for. Uh, we, would, we noticed also things like personal stories with a nice picture, you know, it would also get us some some uh, views and get us some play, if you will. But yep. that's actually shifted. <laughs> In the past couple, three months, they really, they've moved away from quantity of engagement to what I'm calling quality of engagement. And they're measuring that by what uh, is called dwell time or how long somebody is staying on your content. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not so much how many people come to your post as much as how long the ones stay that do come to your content. I love stats. So like, let me just ask you this quickly. Yeah. Like these stats you're referencing, right? These are publicly available statistics they are that you can get, available. right? Yeah. And yeah. let me ask you this. Like you can get the stats for LinkedIn in general. Like how do you access stats in the best possible way for your specific LinkedIn account. Yeah. Like, what's the, where, where do you get those analytics? Where should you, I should I, say? Well, I use um, a third-party software called uh, Shield AI, and they it's an awesome app. It really keeps me up to date. I mean, I can see by the hour how many people look at my post. So I really love that particular That's really app. cool. That's yeah. my, my go-to, yeah. And they're capturing other stats, I'm assuming. Like, if this dwell time metric is becoming more important mm -hmm. for LinkedIn, it's capturing that stat as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you can see you can see a lot. So with this notion of dwell time, right, it would seem to make sense that you write more. So people have to read more and stay longer. Look at longer. you catching on so quick. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to hang with you. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So the, the new techniques uh, for for getting people to stay a bit longer are write what we call we're calling in our group the long form that's how we reference it it's much yep. like a, a small article no pictures no emojis straight verbiage and if you can upload it as a document as opposed to writing it in the uh, posting square there on linkedin you actually will get more views we don't know why but we know really? that uploading a document actually gets you more views Wow. The other thing I never, I never really, would have thought of that, honestly. Well, we, we only figured it out because you have so many people playing and communicating with one another about what works. That's how mm -hmm. we know what we know. We, we read what other people say, 
you know, Hootsuite, for instance, will, they publish data on their, you know, what they see. They see so many people. So we learn from them, but we also, we learn from each other. We've got about a hundred players that communicate together and so share information. So that's how we know. The other, the other couple of things that uh, are pretty helpful or pretty useful when it comes to getting views are uploading a, believe it or not, a PowerPoint. Every click on a PowerPoint equals a Oh my a like. God, PowerPoint, really? Yeah. That's or, or so any kind funny. Of click-through document. They're really liking documents right now or uploading Really loving video. PowerPoint. This is great for lawyers. It's like the uh, 90s are back. <laughs> yeah, you can, it's really simple. It's just upload a document. Then you've got these, you got options there. So uploading Jeez. things, you know, it seems to be what they're interested in right now. And I think it kind of goes along with their new theory that valuable content is where it's at. So yeah, when you're yeah. when you're doing an added value post for your industry, the LinkedIn algorithm is going to support you nine times out of ten. Hmm. Never would have thought to upload a PowerPoint to LinkedIn. Furthest thing from my mind, to be perfectly honest with you. So that's yeah, really we're, interesting. we're still experimenting. No, no, no lie. We're we're figuring all this out as we go. And this is actually used in the last month. We've been kind of trying some of these things out. So. The other thing I was interested in that you talked about, so you talked about Hootsuite a little bit, which for folks yeah. who don't know is like a social media management platform where you yeah. can manage multiple social media accounts in one space. It sounds like you've got your LinkedIn app, Shield, that's giving analytics from LinkedIn, but then it sounds like you're also utilizing Hootsuite's analytics capability as well. Some people do in our in our group. I do not use Hootsuite. Some people use Buffer. They use Sprout Social. They use, there's several. Yep, just all similar one. tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All similar tools. Yeah. It just depends on what you like. So for lawyers who aren't producing PowerPoints on a regular basis, right. aren't producing documents on a regular basis, it seems like the best play is to write more narrative, longer form content, right? Or yeah. there are other things that people could do who aren't like regular content producers. Yeah. An easy one. Create a poll. Polls. Create a poll about anything. Seriously. <laughs> You know, we, I have been it, seeing a lot more polls. Uh, I will say that. It's because they work. We've got uh, several <laughs> lawyers in our group, and um, and it's amazing. We've got one of our guys, Josh, is going through the roof. He, I think, has 17,000 views on his last poll. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's my just, gosh. Yeah. On, a, on, a, on just a poll. <laughs> just a poll. Wow. But now he writes also wonderful long form as well, as do all of our attorneys. So I think we've got five or six on the team, and they're they're, of course, competitive. So oh, naturally, they're lawyers, naturally, right? Naturally, <laughs> right. So, um, but we have good fun. And uh, yeah, so yeah, if you, if you just don't have any time, but you want to put something out there once in a while, do a poll. I think what's really interesting is like this fits well in particular for attorneys who write all the time, who yeah. are generally good writers. And this is a great space for them to be in. And I, my guess is. is a lot of attorneys, like you mentioned before, who were like, hidden hard by the pandemic because all they did was referral marketing. Yeah. This is the place where you can do that now, but you just got to have content affiliated with it. So I would say yes and no. It's not as easy as falling off a log, frankly. Um, <laughs> the first job is to be seen. I mean, that is the first job in and writing right. good content. That's the key to, to being seen. One of the keys to being seen, but that's probably not going to take the day. What takes the day is a combo of writing great content and then expanding your connections because LinkedIn watches everything you do. So if you're playing hard and that means you're creating content, but you're also really reaching out to people and also accepting the the people who reach to you and growing that connection base is kind of number two. 
and the steps for, you know, really using LinkedIn and getting something out of it. You know, my recommendation is to be certain that when you do post that great content and it sparks interest and people check out your profile, because that's exactly what happens. You know, as soon as they do that, invite them to connect with you. Just quick and easy way to build that connection base. And this is an interesting question, too, because we're talking about playing the game in the right way. So when you're talking about adding connections, do you feel like there needs to be some kind of communication that takes place before that? Do you ever do cold outreach? And then what what is your advice in terms of like reaching out to someone? Like you don't just hit the connect button, right? You want to put a message in there of some kind (laughs) as well, right? Not anymore. People are much more discerning about who they connect with nowadays because they understand that that's your community. So you're really growing in a community. Mm-hmm. Plenty of people ask to connect to me that I decline because they don't fit my target audience. I'm building a community that is my target audience. And, you know, I'm a B2B girl. So if you're B2C, we're not in the same world and oh well, right? Mm. So, you know, I, I think discrimination is 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 really the way to go. You want to grow the numbers, but it, you want it to be a real audience, not just a quantity audience, you know, like a warm body yes. audience, you know? Yep. And then in terms of like writing connection requests, like what do you yeah. advise people to do in there? Like how long should that be? How much detail should you get into? Because nobody uh, is word. necessarily <clears throat> going to. Yeah. One word. One, one word for you. What's the word? Yes. Authentic. You know, I get so many requests that I can tell they're using a bot designed to look authentic, but it ain't authentic. It's not real. You can always tell, even at the best bots, you can pretty much always tell. So no bots as well, right? We're also saying no no bots bots. here. Yeah. You know, that's bots are they catch it, they they will put you in timeout. They don't like those. Mm. But they also they're spammy. Like who wants that, right? I've gotten several requests this past week. I mean several. It's just so maybe it's a new tactic. I don't know, but I've got people reach out to me and said Look, will you just connect with me? <laughs> or some words to that effect. Like, I'd really like to connect. I, I want to be in your audience. Will you connect with me? And I, I find that so refreshing that I've said yes to every one of them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and the worst bots are like the follow-up bots where like you get the one response and it's a million that. others. That's like the bane of my existence. Yeah. So this was great. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. What you may not know is the way that your law firm bills clients may directly impact whether they hire you in the first place. It's true. That's why I've got Joshua Lennon from Clio. He's a lawyer in residence over there to talk to me about this subject. Joshua, go ahead, expound. Yeah, 70% of clients are telling us they want to pay via payment plans. And while hourly rates are the most common fee structure offered by law firms, clients are telling us 67% that they want the option to pay for legal services via flat fees. Wow. So what should lawyers do? Well, only 37% of law firms actually offer flat fees on any legal matter. So if you want to stand out, start offering flat fees. Thanks, Joshua. To learn more about the billing preferences of today's legal clients, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com slash trends. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, 
and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours. Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Welcome to the rear end of the legal toolkit, the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. I got to tell you, we have a very special guest today. Maybe the most special guest we've ever had on the podcast. I talk about her at the top of every show. It's my actual mother, Joanne Correa. How are you doing, mother? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thank you very much for asking. I know you got a story from me, but we did like a family stories show where I was relaying mm-hmm. family stories to a guest and she didn't believe them. And, I, and they were mostly all true, mostly. So we were talking the other day and I just want to confirm that my grandfather did have a zoo basically, an in-home zoo. Yes, he certainly okay. did. Yep. But the he dispute did. between you and I was whether or not there was a woodland cat included in the zoo. I thought I remember him having a lynx or a bobcat or something crazy like that, but you don't. No, I do not. <laughs> really? I remember geese. I remember geese? had a bobolink. He oh, had, maybe. Oh, no, bobolink's a bird, right? Yeah, the bird in the back. We had geese. We had, you had ducks. Did you tell the duck story? I haven't, but well, well, let's, let's not get out of ourselves. Okay. Get, we'll t- okay. I'll, give you, I'll give you an opportunity to tell a duck story. But you okay. said you had a story that you brought with you. So I want to hear I that do. one. All right, I what do you got? I have a great story. I have okay. a great story. Okay. Okay. So you know that when, when uh, after your father had passed away, you yes. and your brother and your sister were no longer living with me. So yes. I said, oh, I think I'll sell the house and come and live with grandma. Grandma was late 70s. So one day I drove home. I drive into the driveway, and there is your grandmother removing the air conditioner from the window, <laughs> resting it on the <laughs> chair that was on the porch, yes. and she's ready to climb in the window. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, she's breaking into her own house? Yes. That's kind of impressive for a 70-something-year-old. I know. Oh, she was late 70s, maybe early 80s, because you weren't even living with us anymore. I said, Mom, what, what are you doing, Mom? What's going on? Oh, she was so mad. She said, I am so mad. I'm ready to spit nickels. You know, Grandma always had a good, good phrase. She was very good. So I said, oh, yeah. So I said, so what, ha- what are you doing? How come? She's, oh, I locked my keys in the car. So what? I've done it a million times. You could have yeah. called me. I would have picked you up. No, the car was running. I've done that, too. So... <laughs> Is you still could have called me, but I left my pocketbook in the car. Uh, oh. Okay, I locked the pocket. Okay, the whole so sequence going on here. Yeah, so you could have still called me. No problem. <laughs> so I said, okay. So, uh, mom, 
where, where are we going to go? Well, my heel hurt. So I called the doctor. I wanted to go and see him. He gave me an appointment. You had a doctor's appointment with, no, my heel was bothering me. So I called the doctor. He said I could run in. Okay. So I back out of the driveway. We're going to go up to where her doctor's office is, maybe yes. half a mile from the house. So we go to go to doc, the doctor's office. No, no, he's not there. One day he's not there. Well, he's moved with the group. So, okay, so we're going to go to the group. So where's the group? Okay, so the group, she tells me, instead of being like half a mile from home, yes. the group is approximately four miles from home. Okay, not terrible. Four miles. For your driving. Yeah, I was driving. She had walked <laughs> home. From the oh, she walked home from the doctor's <laughs> four miles? Oh, my God. No wonder her heel was hurting. And the four miles were... Like country roads yeah. from maybe two miles. And yeah. then she had the mall to go through, which is like mall parking lot. Yes. And yeah, then, like dangerous areas for yes. an elderly and person to be walking. And then she gets to like New Bedford's version of Route 1. Yes. And she gets, so she walks all the way home. She removes the air conditioner to climb into the window to walking not After me. walking on the highway. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Basically, that's so, a highway. As we're driving up to see the, get the car, I turned to her and said, how's your heel feeling now? <laughs> <laughs> she, Not great. <laughs> What's wrong with my heel? <laughs> oh, boy. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh, it's fun to get old. Okay, so that was a good story. But you were talking about the pet ducks that I used to have. And that, uh, that's real. I had I had two pet ducks. Yeah, Brutus and Nero. Not named after the Roman emperors, but named after the alligators from the Rescuers movie. Exactly. And you were trying to teach them to swim. So when you brought them in the house, their heads were hanging. <laughs> <laughs> they were almost dead. You were very upset. I was unaware that ducks could not breathe underwater. Exactly. Science class failed me. Actually, I was probably like five. I'd never gone to school. Yeah. Yeah. They were terrible. Yeah, they certainly were. They almost Yeah, so I came in with the ducks by the necks, right? And their heads were fluffed over. Exactly. Exactly. What mother leaves their child in a pool with two ducks? Well, what child doesn't have two pet ducks? But I also had a pet goat. As well. Oh, yes, you did. You had a pet go. Yes. Less creatively named Billy. Yes. To go. Yes. And we yeah. had we had an actual, like, we, I don't think, I want people to understand that, like, we lived in a city. Exactly. In yes, a tenement when I was growing up. Yes. Like three apartments right. stacked on top of each other. Right. And there was right. a live goat along with two ducks that and lived in the yard. And, and a, a dog. dog. And the dog loved it because the dog would chase him around like crazy. That poor goat. Yes. No wonder he wasn't a trauma. He's probably traumatized. So I think, uh, I feel like living close, to, I think the moral of the story is like the fewer animals, the better. And I want people to know that I have no pets today. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a lot of good car stories as well. Oh, we certainly I do. remember like the, our family went through more cars than any other family I can remember. Like we change cars more frequently than most people change underwear. 
I remember like every day I woke up, we had a new car. I remember dad bought a, bought a Volkswagen one time and I was all keyed up because we had a yellow Volkswagen like Bumblebee uh-huh. and Transformers. And then a day later, the cops were repossessing it because he bought a stolen car and we had to get a new car. We had so many cars. Uh, Didn't your dad pick you up in a car one day without any floorboards? I remember oh, that, that wasn't one day. That or is was that like years. every day? Okay. Oh, that was every okay. day. Yes. He had a station wagon with no floorboards. No floor at all, right? Like a Flintstones car. Right. And yeah. so you'd put your feet on the muffler. To warm so- them in the winter? <laughs> no, to keep your feet on the muffler. <laughs> to keep your feet up. So you put your feet on the muffler. It was hilarious. Nobody <laughs> wanted to get in the car with it because all that, when it was raining, all of the water would come up the road. <laughs> but that's like, but I mean, if you're like, if you're like, but some kids are like, oh, you know, don't pick me up in like the Volvo because I'm embarrassed. You actually had a car that had no floorboards and a muffler falling off. Should just ridden a horse. I want people to know who are listening that like, I'm not making any of this stuff up. I feel like city hillbillies is kind of an appropriate description, right? <laughs> Don't you think? Oh, it was funny. Well, my grandpa had lived on a, it was a farm. Yeah. Originally, where we live now was a farm. He just never yes. really got over the fact that it was a farm. He yeah. always thought he could have animals. Yeah. What a help is in our house constantly. The chickens would escape from the backyard and <laughs> your uncles would be sweeping them off the street with a broom. <laughs> yeah, it was it was an interesting place oh, yeah, to live in. And yes. So and I, I feel lady, like how about tell tell the story of this is that we had a very, very nice family that lived behind us with an in-ground pool. Remember, on one side of the fence, there were the bobolinks, the geese, the we had rabbits. Oh, 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 at, at your at your parents' house. On Elm yeah, Street, yeah. yeah. When I was yeah. a kid, yes. And so Every other day, a blooming rooster would fly over the fence right, like. and drown in her pool. In her <laughs> in-ground pool. <laughs> we had more calls from the uh, health department Dead rooster than in the you pool. can imagine. Right. <laughs> they could have moved in. <laughs> Why would you want to live next to those people, right? Like one morning you walk out, <laughs> right. there's like a Bengal tiger in your pool. I feel like he was, he was like the tiger king, hey, the rooster really- king. He the bobbling king. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's a motion picture deal in here somewhere. So if there are any like Hollywood type producers who are looking to do like the next big reality show, like I'm ready to go. There I'm ready go. to roll. Full expose. I think we're long past time. But thank you for coming on. This was fun. <laughs> did you have fun? I did. I had a very good time. Thank you very much. Now, I want to take a moment to thank my guest today, Terry Teague from smallbiz.consulting and the Digital Power Team. To find out more about Terry, visit digitalpowerteam.com. And our very, very special guest, my mom, Joanne Korea. She's a retired teacher and doesn't have a website. So just leave her alone and enjoy the moment. Now, for those of you listening in Experiment Georgia, we've got an awesome playlist this week on Spotify, Songs About Science. That's right, Science! Well, we've run out of time for caroling, but you should know that I do a killer version of barbecue from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That'll do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast where I come from. Thanks. Come back next time.
Are you looking for a podcast that was created for new solos? Then join me, Adriana Linares, each month on the New Solo Podcast. We talk to lawyers who have built their own successful practices and share their insights to help you grow yours. You can find New Solo on the Legal Talk Network or anywhere you get your podcasts.